The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets are spinning through space. Smile upon your face. Welcome to the human race. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. Also, I have two partners who publish two outstanding newsletters. Roger Wiegand publishes Trader Tracks, which provides trading strategies in the futures and options markets. And Chen Lin, who has had one of the best trading records, I think, in the world, I dare say, since 2003. Uh, Chen's newsletter is called, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Uh, you can learn more about all three of our newsletters by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. And we also offer introductory trial subscriptions at reduced rates, so you can try our newsletters to see if they are, uh, can be of value to you. And so you can go to miningstocks.com for that or call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426. That's Claudio Bossi, 718-457-1426. Before I talk any further, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show. In fact, it, has, it is because of you uh, that um, you're listening to our show, Turning Hard Times into Good Times, that we are now uh, the number one show on the business channel at Voice America. That's out of 33 other shows, and we have a very substantial market share. So thanks to each of you for listening to this show. So also, of course, we want to thank the sponsors who make this show financially possible, 
And the sponsors for the first hour of the show are Barkerville Gold, Crocodile Gold, Resource Consultants, American Bonanza, Magellan Minerals, Metanor Resources, Merrick's Gold, Inc., Timmins Gold, and Riverside Resources. Resource Consultants is the only non-gold mining firm that's listed above that I just mentioned, uh, and that is really a licensed precious metals broker that is headed by Pat Gorman. I'm actually going to be meeting with Pat Gorman, and he will be one of three guests in my show next week. Pat and I and Dave Morgan uh, and Ian McAvity will be uh, doing a pre-recording of next week's show, at least part of the show, on Friday. And I'm going to Phoenix to be with Pat and a group of speakers, including David and Ian McAvity and uh, uh, Roger Wiegand, as well as several others. Uh, and we're going to go to the Wealth Protection Seminar uh, it's um, down there in Phoenix and Tempe, Arizona, actually, and you can call 480-820-5877 to learn more about that, 480-820-5877, or go to, we buy, or go to buysilvernow.com, com to sign up for that show or to learn more about Pat Gorman's uh, program and uh, that program as well as the services he provides in the way of, uh, of uh, selling and buying and trading precious metals. Well, I believe I'm scheduled to speak at 3 o'clock on Friday, but as I mentioned, Roger Wiegand will be there, David Morgan. Richard Mayberry is going to be a speaker there, one of the, my favorite newsletter writers. Jim Lyles will be there, Arch Crawford, uh, Dr. Yaron Brook, who's the president of the Ayn Rand Institute, and as I said, Ian McAvity and Sinclair No. Uh, the charge is only $200, but this also includes a wine and cheese reception and lunch on Saturday, a lot of good times. It's one of the one of my favorite shows to go to. My wife and I always attend this, uh, at least we have in the last few years, and it's really a great time. So I hope to see as many of you as possible at this show. Speaking of our sponsors, in just a few minutes I will be speaking to um, Western Pacific Resources. Uh, Warwick Smith and Eric Sauterholm will be with me. They are one of our sponsors. They have a very interesting uh, new company, new public company that's coming on stream, and they have become a sponsor to our show very recently. I just want to mention very quickly uh, the headlines for some of our other sponsors. Barkerville Gold is starting to mine now. It has just announced that it has started the mining and hauling of ore to the QR mine. So that's one of our sponsors that's just going into production, will be in production uh, very shortly. Timmins Gold is doing extremely well, from what I understand, in expanding the ore body. They are also in production in their mine in Mexico. Keep an eye on Timmins Gold. Metanor uh, resources boosts its Bachelor Lake mill capacity now to 1,200 tons per day. We'll be talking to that company sometime in the near future on this show. Pediment Gold uh, drilled 33.5 meters of 1.32 grams of gold at its La Colorado property in Mexico. That's a company I think really is worth looking at as well. Riverside Resources, a favorite of mine, uh, both personally and in my newsletter, uh, one of their uh, one of their joint venture partners who's spending all of their money for high risk exploration came through a geologic uh, announced this past week 2.23 grams over 52 uh, and 52 grams of silver 2.23 grams of gold 52 grams of silver over 13 meters that is looking like a, a very on the Lab, uh, Libertad property in Sonora State Mexico the thing I like about Riverside is that it's got other companies spending their high risk capital to to uh, develop properties. And Riverside, no matter what happens, will have a f at least a 40% carried interest in that property without spending a dime from here on forward. So that's one of the favorite models, I think, uh, makes most sense and one of the lowest risk, highest return models in a very risky business, gold exploration business. 
Well, before we get to our uh, our, our um, first break this uh, this week, we have Chen Lin with us, and Chen uh, hasn't been with us that much recently. In fact, we've had a request from someone, a listener recently, asking if we couldn't have Chen Lin on more, and the reason, I think, is quite clear. Chen has had a remarkable trading record. He's done extremely well for his subscribers, for his family, and I dare say probably and hopefully for many of the listeners to this station. Welcome, Chen. Thanks, Jay. Chen, I've, uh, I have remained very cautious about this market. I'm sort of worried about it. I still feel that there's going to be a next shoe to drop, that we are in a secular bear market. But at the same time, I see the Dow is up 69 points today. It just keeps rising. Have I missed something here? Am I, is, is, am I off on my timing, or could I be completely wrong? Maybe I'm being too cautious. Maybe we're not going to have a, maybe we're not in a secular bear market. Maybe we're in a bull market, the start of a new Obama bull market. What do you think? Well, I think they're probably going to be a shoe next to the drop. Um, I just the timing thing. It's very hard to time the market, and I su- I suspect you know there was either Greece and then all the other big con- country get into trouble. Maybe UK get into trouble. Uh, the later on will be more like uh, Japan, United States, and it could be China. It could be so. There's some. Um, the, the government is just popping up the economy, okay? It's popping it up. And I don't think it's sustainable in the long run. However, in the short term, there's a lot of trading opportunities. As, as I mentioned, you know, the, uh, I think one of the, the stocks I mentioned on the show last year, Estica Energy, mm-hmm. it exploded today. You know, it's a very undervalued energy play. And it was, one point it was up uh, 17%. Now it's up about 9, 9%, something like that. But, you know, it's just uh, it's $2.30 stock. I was, when I was talking on the show last year, it was like $0.70. Cent. Yes. So, so it, it went up a lot. So there's a lot of those companies. They have very very strong balance sheet. They're cash rich. And then they're taking advantage of the current situation. Uh, when I was talking to... Africa at that time, you know, it was trading less than one-time cash flow. That's incredible for an energy company, but nobody picked it up. So I bought a lot, and then I make a lot of money for myself and my family, as, as well as some of my subscribers, hopefully mm-hmm. some listeners here too, as well. I know recently I'm getting to the, the paper pop stuff. You know, the pop is used for the bathroom tissue, used the diaper, used for those things. Those are essential things, and even economy having some trouble, I think people still have to use those, right? And it's just, so it, it's, a, it's a pretty steady demand. And then suddenly we have a Chile earthquake, so we have a huge supply disruption. And then the price just went through the roof. Oh, the pop stock went up a lot. I remember I was talking maybe last week, and then between last week to now, some pop stock almost doubled. So it's, uh, it's very fast moving. Also, another thing was Goldman was calling for pop stock, I think, last Friday. It's mm-hmm. obviously in the super cycle, quote unquote. Goldman uh, Sachs came out with a buy recommendation uh, recommendation on the on the paper pulp stocks, Chen. Exactly, they came out with uh, and that, that drove the stocks a lot higher then. Yeah, they they came out with it. Well, congratulations to you. You beat Goldman Sachs to the punch this time. And okay. and let me ask you, what about a couple of the names, uh, the stocks you picked? How well have they done? Well, some, you know, I think generally, they're, they're few up a few hundred percent. Some, I, I, you know, I just, small percentage, some I get, get in, get out. And the reason, oh, by the way, there's a lot of people mentioned, because I mentioned on this show as well, it's a golden mineral. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, they just IPO uh, last week, mm-hmm. and then they already, IPO already closed, and then the company already got the money at 850. Uh, right now, you know, it's trading at a, 
A15. So it's $8.15 below right, the IPO right. price. Even below, but even below the comp- company was able to get, you know, to get all the money. Uh, so it's kind of an unusual situation. So what are your the- thoughts there, Chen? Is this, uh, from, from an intrinsic value point of view, $8.15 is a good price to buy this stock in your view? Yeah, I think it's a very good bargain. Mm-hmm. Part of it is companies was holding back on all the news release because mm-hmm. when the IPO, you cannot uh, release all the news because it's against some SEC ruling. You cannot, you know, push, put all the good news out to push your IPO price higher. So the company cannot do any presentations. They pull from all the conferences. Uh-huh. And they, they, they refrain from even put out a news release because lawyer has to look at it first. You know? So those kind of things, actually, there was a very long, quiet period. That's actually holding down the stock a lot. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully they now it's behind that. They, they, I, was, I learned that from my source that they're going, they're going to come out to, to t- tell their story to their incredible silver fan. And um, uh, hope, uh, I think the stock probably will go much higher from here. Okay, Chen, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you for your ideas. Again, I think they're very, very interesting, fascinating, money-making ideas. We want to remind listeners to this show that we are not making any recommendations to you here on this show. You need to consult your financial advisor uh, and do your own research. Don't count on us. We're not here to... uh, we're here to entertain you. We're here to provide ideas, but take them and, and do your own research and take them for what they're worth. You're not paying anything for them here. You'll pay a lot more if you, uh, if you want to get uh, the first-hand information from Chan, if you want to be one of the first people to learn to know about what he or Roger Wiegand or myself are telling our subscribers, then you can learn to know more about us by going to uh, miningstocks.com or calling my assistant, Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Well, we're coming on the commercial break, and we're going to be right back here with another very interesting company, a sponsor of ours uh, named Western Pacific. They're going to, I'm going to be here with Warwick Smith and, um, and Eric Soderholm, the president of the company. It's a, new, a newly formed company, a gold mining exploration company, so don't go away. We'll be right back with the story of Western Pacific Resources Corp. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. 
American Bonanza Gold's project, located in Arizona, is scheduled for production in 2010. American Bonanza Gold announced the positive results of its recent feasibility study at its 100% owned Copperstone Gold Mine. The mine is estimated to produce an average of 45,000 ounces of gold annually. At the current spot gold price, this will result in an IRR of 120%. Join the gold bull market. Invest in American Bonanza Gold. Visit the website at AmericanBonanza.com for more exciting information. Don't miss this great opportunity. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Sponsors to this show are permitted to tell their stories to our listeners. Uh, today we have one of our newest sponsors. It's a newly formed company, actually, and went public just earlier this year. It's Western Pacific Resource Corporation, and with us today I have Warwick Smith uh, and Eric Soderholm. Western Pacific trades on the Toronto Venture Exchange. Its symbol is WRP, and uh, on the pink sheets or gray sheets down here uh, over the counter, uh, it trades uh, under the symbol of WPLMF, WPLMF. Recent price around 50 cents. Uh, Canadian or U.S. Actually, the two currencies are almost at unity now, so it's a lot easier. Somewhere in that range, around 50 cents Canadian, I believe, is the last I saw, with only 15.3 million shares outstanding. means it has a market cap of only about $7.5 million. Well, that may be a lot, or it may be very little. And what we want to talk to uh, Warwick and, uh, and Eric about is to find out whether uh, that is good value for you. Uh, just a brief introduction Warwick Smith has worked as a corporate development specialist for various public companies since 1999, brings with him extensive media contacts uh, and uh, industry-specific relationships, and Eric founded and provided corporate development services for Riverside Resources, another company that's a sponsor here on this show and one of my favorites, as I noted earlier. Uh, after developing a team and securing financing, Riverside was listed again on the, on the Toronto Venture Exchange. Uh, during his tenure, Mr. Smith and the team at Riverside uh, successfully raised financing from numerous key shareholders. And I must say that uh, that's a company that, as I say, is one of my favorites, with, headed up by Dr. John Mark Stoudy. 
Well, Eric Soderholm is the president and director, and uh, Eric brings with him over 25 years of experience in the mineral industries with leadership and exploration, project development, property management, and mining. He has been an integral part, uh, integral to the geologic team that added over 18 million ounces of gold to reserves based in Nevada, Washington, and Peru. And Mr. Soderholm was vice president, project development at U.S. Gold from August 2006 uh, until early 2008. Prior to that, he was with uh, Newmont Mining Corp. for 12 years, where his final position was at the Carlin Trend Exploration Manager position there, a regional geologist also. Uh, at Newmont, he also held the positions of Chief Geologist at the Phoenix Mine, Lone Tree Complex, Mule Canyon Mine, all located in Nevada, as well as Project Manager uh, Grupo Carabucho in <coughs> Peru. Uh, in January 2008, he co-founded the Cirrus Exploration LLC and has been developing exploration projects throughout Nevada since then. Well, welcome, both of you, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thanks for having us, Jay. We appreciate being on. Thank you. Thank you uh, for both of you for being here. Um, you are a newly formed company with your IPO, I believe it was in February of this year. Um, just wondering, Warwick, perhaps, uh, could you give our listeners a brief background on the company's history who formed the company and perhaps spell out your business model? Where do you plan to take the company? Yeah, absolutely, Jay. I met uh, Eric Saderholm and, and Kurt Everson, who is the VPX of uh, Western Pacific, about two years ago uh, and had been pursuing them for some time. Got a call about six months ago that they were interested in putting something together. So I flew back early from my trip from Hawaii and, uh, and met up with the guys, and, and here we are six months later. Essentially, they run the the exploration out of Nevada, and they, uh, myself and the Gold Group, which is, uh, which is Simon Ridgway's group of companies, uh, run the back end here in Vancouver in terms of raising money uh, and going out and doing the promotion for the company and making sure that we're in compliance with everything with the exchange. Mm-hmm. We're essentially following the same blueprint of the other Gold Group companies that have done very well, Fortuna Silver Mines, Northland Resources, and most recently Focus Ventures, of finding exceptional management teams, doing a small IPO, moving the company forward, and then doing larger financings. Uh, actually, I believe that you covered Fortuna mm-hmm. and Northland, both for your subscribers, and I think they did quite well on those. They did quite well on that. And, you know, again, you look at the management team, and work, uh, uh, while we're on that topic of management, perhaps you could just mention some of the board members, I, I think, and the management team, because I think they are an impressive lot. Um, you mentioned Simon Ridgway. I think he is on the board. Simon Ridgway is actually an advisor to the company. Oh, okay. Um, he, we've, got a, we've got a strong advisory board. I'll start there. How about that? Okay. Uh, Simon Ridgway, obviously, he is the, the co-founder of the Gold Group with the companies I mentioned, Fortuna Silver, mm-hmm. uh, previously Northland Resources, Focus Ventures, Radius, and now Western Pacific. Um, he's raised over $330 million over the past six years, uh, so raising money shouldn't be an issue for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the advisory board is Brent Cook. He's probably well known to most of the people listening. Well known and has been interviewed on this uh, on this show as well. On the Excellent. Panel. Yeah, he's an advisor in the company, along with a gentleman by the name of James Beasley. Uh, James is an old friend of mine and is a uh, a young go getter who I think is going to be a, a good help for us on the brokerage side. He works through the brokerage community quite well. Uh, the the board of directors, uh, myself, uh, Eric Saderholm. Uh, you've run through his bio, and Kurt mm-hmm. Everson. Kurt Everson is also the VPX. Kurt uh, previously was the co-founder of Nevada Pacific, which was bought out by U.S. Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then went and worked for U.S. Gold for some time with Eric, and since they've left U.S. Gold, they're working with us. Uh, also on the board is Ralph Rushton. 
Uh, Ralph is an integral member of the goal group here, uh, sort of the number two guy behind Simon with the goal group, uh, and is an exceptional help for us. Uh, he's mm-hmm. someone who looks through all our contracts, has extensive uh, contacts throughout the industry, uh, and somebody that we can turn to for a great deal of guidance. Uh, also, Peter Tiersch is on the board. Uh, Peter, as you may remember, was the gentleman who was the president of Fortuna when Fortuna got started. Mm-hmm. So it's a good board. It's yeah, it, it is an impressive board. I must say that. I, I did look it over before you came on the show. Mm-hmm. And raising money, of course, is a very, very important part of doing it efficiently because we've seen companies go down the tubes who haven't been able to do that efficiently. But uh, you mentioned money. Do you have money in the bank now? You just went public, so I would imagine you have some. And if so, how far uh, will that take you before you have to go back to the till and raise some more? Well, I'm glad you mentioned about the money. You know, One of the things that the Gold Group's been good at and, and something that I've worked hard to learn, um, keeping in mind when I, I stepped away from the Gold Group for a couple of years and went and found Riverside Resources, one of the things that we've become good at and one of the things that is great about this model is when you put together a new company, a new IPO, you're able to get good investors in there, people who have made money with you in the past, um, so you are able to fill the till. There's $2 million in the till, which could take us two years if we needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also in a position where you've got strategic shareholders that you can go back to when you're ready to raise more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are people that we've made money for in the past that are excited about the company who are looking to see it grow. So the ability to go back to the market, hopefully at higher prices, is the way you always want it to work out. Yeah, uh, as you never. advance the projects uh, projects in your company going forward. Well, raising money is certainly easier when you've made money for people in the past, that's for sure. Well, it certainly does help. <laughs> and it's become sort of a family of investors, of, of people that we've worked with for oh, going on six or seven years now. Uh, okay, uh, let's get on to some of the projects you have. Mineral Gulch, I believe, is your lead project. It would be your flagship. And maybe, uh, I don't know if work or if you maybe want to ask Eric to talk a little bit about Mineral Gulch. Uh, what uh, give a little history on Mineral Gulch as well as uh, what you know about the project, uh, the prospect, and what where you might where it might go forward. I'll, I'll touch on it first, real quick, Eric. Okay, and, and then I'll let you sure. let you take over. Um, one of the this was a real coup for us to pick up. Mineral Gulch was formerly known as the old Black Pine Mine that was owned by Naranda and Pegasus back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it produced six hundred thousand ounces of five pits. Uh, a six open pit was delineated, but you know gold was three hundred thirty dollars in nineteen ninety seven. And it wouldn't hold the pit wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pegasus sub- subsequently went into bankruptcy, and it's been sitting there for some time. Kurt and Eric were actually able to go up and stake the project. Mm-hmm. So we've essentially picked up a you know a 600,000-ounce pass producer uh, with, a, with an open pit there that we think that we can you know, essentially find out what, what the grades are there and what, what ore is there still. Uh, we were able to pick all that up for $28,000. Wow. All right, so are there liabilities attached to that at all? There are no liabilities. Pegasus put up a bond, a $6 million bond, on the project that is still in place. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also just picked up the, uh, uh, the data package from, uh, from Newmont. We did a deal with Newmont. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's $10-plus million worth of data uh, on four large DVDs that we're going through. So we're just sorting through all the data right now. Um, we hope to have hope to be able to get that that all right. With, without the data, I, I know you just made a press release. So, Eric, uh, you've just gotten this data. You probably haven't had time to sift through it and understand it yet. But how? What do you know about the property now? What sort of? What can you tell us? Uh, what can you tell the public about the prospects for this project uh, going forward at this point? 
Well, it, it's a classic Carlin-style uh, series of pits, and uh, what excites us about it is uh, the timing and, and actually who mined it. Uh, the companies that put it into production uh, keyed on the oxide potential and did very little deep drilling. So it being a classic Carlin-style system, as I said, uh, they when you explore them at any kind of length, they generally have a tendency to grow much larger, especially when you start exploring the sulfide potential and the carbonaceous potential, which would not have fit into any kind of business plan for Pegasus or Naranda since they were did not have the money to capitalize a mill. So they went in, and we would call it plucking the eyeballs out of the, the high-grade stuff or the stuff that was exposed at the surface. There was limited amount of exploration for deeper stuff, but it was generally you know, the 400-foot hole, the 500-foot hole. Mm-hmm. So this is sat out here uh, with a fence around it, mainly as uh, a precaution for pe- to keep people out of the pits. Sure. You know, we inquired about uh, staking it. It was open, and we went and got it. Uh-huh. So we, we see a lot of upside potential in the in the your bodies. Well, uh, you know, this is in Idaho. I think I don't know if we mentioned that or not, but it's in Idaho. It's close to the Nevada border. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, if it's a classic Carlin style target, then what you're looking for is the high grade rich stuff underneath some sort of a cap that that blocked it in, right? That's exactly right. We're looking, hopefully, at the leakage that made it to the surface or was exposed and, and turned into their oxide pods. And we already know from from dealing with a few people that work there that there was sulfide in the bottoms of the pit that they just pushed aside that was in the neighborhood of oh, five-gram material. Mm. So we know there's stuff down there. We just don't know the volumes yet. Yeah. And we're going through the data, as you said, that it's a lot of it. And as we, as we speak right now, we're going through the uh, putting the maps together and putting together whatever sections we have to see if we can't plan a drill program. Well, I understand that that would have cost you something like $10 million to, to drill out or to obtain the same data yourself. So that obviously was a... Um, I don't know what you did to obtain that, that data, but it obviously is a, is a coup as well and no doubt brings value to shareholders, uh, potentially at least if you come up with something sweet. Yeah, it, it, it looks very good right now. We've had a heck of a winter, so we haven't had a chance to get on the ground yet, but we are finally experiencing our thaw and our, our groundwork will start shortly. Um, we're pretty confident that we can... Uh, we've, we've got targets already. They're, they're conceptual and they are based upon some of the geochemistry uh, data that we're starting to see, starting to, to filter in, in uh, off the DVDs, as, as Warwick mentioned. So we are very excited about it. it it's uh, it's a, a big area. We've added claims to it. We now control the entire, essentially the entire range, so we're ready to go once we can get to it. Well, I'm wondering if you, so you're going to be dissolving this information and setting up drill targets, uh, and, and how much money, I don't know, maybe this is a question for, for Warwick, how much money are you allocating to uh, for this project, because it, it is your flagship project? We're still sort of cert- sorting through it, Jay. We're not, we're not at uh, 100% sure. Until we get through all that data and find out exactly where we're going to drill and how much sure. we need to drill, it's... It's somewhat a, a work in progress. So you haven't had uh, set up a budget yet for that project? No, we haven't. Actually, what, to be we're just about out of time here. Let me let me ask you about some of your other prospects. If you can, maybe we have one minute left here. Can you uh, talk a little bit? You got the the Lita or Lita Jack, the Meriden Ridge project, the Bob and Deer. Can you, if either of you want to just briefly touch on those projects uh, prospects and and tell me tell our listeners just a little bit about them. Eric, why don't you talk about Lida, then I'll take Meridian. Okay. Okay. Uh, South Lida, we, we staked that up uh, last year. We went in our original sampling. We took 75 samples. Uh, 45 of those rock samples ran better than a gram. Uh, it's a relatively big system. It's located in the southern part of Nevada, uh, BLM ground. We, we got it for staking costs. Um, and we have 
done some work on it. Uh, that one seems to be probably second in line to, to Black Pine on the list. Uh, below that would be Bombardier, uh, Meridian Ridge, and we've actually staked another one, Rock Springs. All of them very Carlin-esque, so they would all be similar type systems to a Carlin. The potential for, for bulk tonnage, big mines, is what we're really in, in the market for. Mm-hmm. So the prospects, uh, so the so the strategy of the company would be to explore, develop, build a world class deposit, and look for a joint venture to come in, uh, a major perhaps come in and take you out. That's correct, Jay. We're actually on on Meridian and Bombardier. We're already looking for joint venture partners. Mm-hmm. So put that mm-hmm. out there to the to the market as well. Excellent. All right. I I wish we had more time. It looks like that's about all we have now. But we'll have you guys back sometime in the near future in the new in our new season, the spring season, I'm sure. And uh, we'll have you back to keep our listeners up to date on what you're doing there on the various projects, starting with uh, with the uh, project up there in Idaho. So um, that's all the time we have now. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. We're going to have uh, our our main guest today, John Truman Wolf. Uh, is going to be back with us in just a minute to tell us about his very exciting book. Uh, I think it's something you don't want to miss. I think it's, it's, a, it's a discussion you can't afford to miss. So we'll be right back with John Truman Wolf. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Merex Gold with 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits. Merex and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $11 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold project in Mali. Merex's indicated gold resource is based on 4% of the mineralized Surabaya megastructure. An aggressive 20,000 meters of drilling will begin to determine the true size of the Surabaya Gold deposit. For more information about Merex Gold, visit us on the web at www.merexgold.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-X gold.com. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Turning hard times into good times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm delighted to have with me John Truman Wolf. Uh, Mr. Wolf uh, has a background that's not all that, all that dissimilar from mine, as I have worked as a credit analyst and bank lending officer at one time and then a brief stint at, uh, with ING Bearings in New York uh, in investment banking. Well, uh, John Truman also worked as a, uh, as a banker. Uh, but before we get to John's, um, uh, John's bio, I'd just like to give you a little bit of background here. You know, on this show, we've talked to some very interesting people like Ed Griffin, John Perkins, Catherine Austin Fitz, and various people. And there is sort of a general view that this country is not heading in the direction that our founding fathers certainly had in mind for us. We're seeing more and more collectivized, uh, uh, a collective um, uh, exposure, basically the government taking our resources and redistributing them in the way that they seem uh, they think is fit. Or is it really the government, or are there powerful forces behind the government, as John Perkins suggested in this show some weeks ago, that in fact it's not really Obama who's running the show, it's not really Bush before him and, and various presidents that we've had in recent times, but rather some very, very powerful corporate interests. Uh, um, John seems to focus more on large oil companies, large corporations, 
whereas some other people focus on the banking institutions. And I think our guest today, John Truman-Wolf, probably is focused more on the banking institutions. We'll talk to him in just a moment about that. But John Truman-Wolf holds a master's degree with honors from the California State University at San Jose, and he is the former chairman of the Department of History at John F. Kennedy. He has uh, been a senior credit officer with banks in the San Francisco Bay Area and Beverly Hills, California. He is the co-founder of a company that oversees the business and financial affairs of some of the biggest names in Hollywood. Mr. Wolf is a financial advisor, political commentator, and author of such books as Mind Games and Behind the Wizard's Curtain. He writes and speaks on matters of international finance and banking with particular attention to the oppressive activities of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, two institutions that came out, I think, of the the spoils of World War II. Uh, His article, The Financial Crisis, A Look Behind the the Wizard's Curtain, led him to further research and write his new book, Crisis by Design, which reveals the root causes of the worldwide economic crash, why it happened, where it is headed, and what you can do about it. So welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times, John. Uh, Jay, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Love to have you. I'm so glad you could join me. I, I became familiar with your work, and I said, this is one guy we've got to have on the show. Uh, fascinating material that you've put together here. Um, your, your recent Oh, let, before we get into that, let me just uh, ask you um, where people can go to learn more about your work, because I sometimes forget this, and we don't get it passed on to our listeners, but I have BehindTheWizardCurtain.com. BehindTheWizardCurtain.com, yes, that's where, that's where the book is, BehindTheWizardCurtain.com. So people can go there and, and buy the book directly and don't have to go to a bookstore. The, the, they can do that. Now, uh, just so your listeners know, at this point, this is an e-book. Okay. Just uh, I've okay. just uh, yesterday concluded a, a, a deal with a publisher for hard copy, but at behind the wizard's curtain, you can get uh, an e-book um, uh, called Crisis by Design: The Untold Story of the Global Financial Coup. Okay, and I have a copy of that here with me, and I hope to get into some of the more pertinent details of that. Um, before we get into the content of the book, I would like to bring up something else that w- that I wasn't aware of until a couple of days ago, and and I don't think it really has anything to do. Uh, with the discussion, but some just to clear the air and make sure some people uh, look at the Church of Scientology um, as a cult, as something that's uh, dangerous. Uh, I don't want to get into the discussion of, of religion on this show, as, uh, not today anyway, certainly not in the context of this, because I think you and I are largely on the same page when it comes to the, to the purpose of this discussion. But I, I believe that you are a member of the Church of Scientology, perhaps an officer in the Church, is that correct? Uh, no, not an officer in the church at all, Jay. I've been a Scientologist all my adult life, and and uh, am, am proud to have been so. Um, and uh, you know, I think you and <clears throat> your your listeners probably understand how bizarre the media can get on something that is uh, that is new. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, well, yeah, anything that's new and different is a challenge, and uh, the status quo always likes to put those things down, don't they? Uh, they they do indeed, and and. Um, uh, you know, I'm 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 not uh, here on the show uh, to, to you know to promote the religion, but if people are interested, they can go to Scientology.org, and all the information sure. about Scientology is up there. Sure. Well, I only the only reason I thought it might be at all pertinent at all, John, is that I think that the very basic premise um, has to do with uh, sort of your view of humankind and and the makeup of human beings. As a Christian, I've sort of have been taught to believe that that human beings are basically sinful creatures that need a savior, need somebody to 
to take care of them and rescue them. And that wouldn't be the government necessarily, but, you know, a supernatural and perhaps the creator. And whereas I believe the Church of Scientology might view human beings as basically good and capable of getting better on their own. Well, um, yes. Um, Scientologists believe that man is basically good. He can act badly, but uh, that man is basically good. Okay. Um, uh, relative to a you know belief in the supreme being, we're probably you know without getting into the dogma and getting into a philosophic religious discussion, yeah. we, pro- we probably share an awful lot of views. Um, um, you know, my religion has brought me very very close to God, and mm-hmm. and I'm uh, I couldn't be happier for it. So okay, well that's fine. I, I that's all the further I would I'd care to take that discussion sure. today because. I mean, it's certainly a, for another show, uh, another venue, that would be fine to discuss the, you know, intellectually the, the different views of, um, you know, theological views of various religions. But that's certainly not the focus of this show. So I want to get into what the focus of this show is about sure. finance and markets. Um, I, I think that uh, the two, you, in, in looking at your book, um, I noticed that you have given credit to two books that you said were very influential in guiding your thinking. And those two books were The Wall Street Gang, and the next one, I think, was How to Make the Stock Market Make Money for You. Could you explain why, uh, perhaps just a moment, to tell us about those, the thesis of those two books and how they affected your, th- your thinking? Well, uh, the, uh, Jay, they basically opened my eyes to the fact that markets are manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Wall Street Gang was a, a book written by a money manager in, in Beverly Hills back in the I don't know, late 60s, early 70s, named Richard Ney, N-E-Y, and Ney, I think is how he pronounced it. And he basically exposed in that book how uh, specialists um, control the price of, of stocks uh, in the New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other book, which has the very corny title of uh, How to Make the Stock Market Make Money for You, was written by a guy named Ted Warren. And uh, Warren had taken a very empirical look at um, stock stock prices um, and the traje- trajectories that they go through, but without getting into all the details of that, his thesis was essentially the same as Richard Nays, which was these markets are controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people pulling these strings, um, and here's how you can tell that, and here's how you can predict that. And what that had to do with my thinking was I had never taken that view, to be very frank. I'd never kind of confronted the fact that financial markets, um, uh, not only the stock markets, as I came to find out, but that's what I was looking at then, were actually being manipulated by, you know, forces beyond the public's uh, general view. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what, the, 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 that's kind of the naivete that those two books brought me through. Mm-hmm. And um, I started looking at financial markets differently after reading those books. Well, let me ask you then, there's a, an organization that I've known about for some time. In fact, uh, I, was, uh, I knew the, the founders of the, of the organization. Uh, they've been on our show here a couple of times, and that's the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Are you familiar with them? Uh, I am. I'm not in, in great detail, but I, f- I follow some of what they're doing. Yes, I am familiar. And so sort of the thesis there is that the, you know, the gold is so important in terms of the monetary system, or at least it, it has a it is a threat to the paper money system. That in fact, uh, the uh, the powers that be have been manipulating, putting down, uh, uh, controlling the gold price to a great extent. There's certainly not a lot of information available. For example, we've not had the U.S. gold hoard uh, audited since the Eisenhower administration. 
And there's uh, lots of, I think, uh, in my view, very many credible allegations of manipulation of the gold markets uh, um, by, you know, Republican and Demo- Democratic administrations alike. Would that, would that make sense to you? Well, I don't think there's any question about it. The gold market is manipulated. It's not a if and or but. Uh, um, my view, um, and I have read some of that organization's work. Uh, they go into you know great detail in examining uh, short sales and and central bank sales and and that kind of thing. I have my own way of looking at it, but uh, there is not an, an ounce of question in my mind that the, that the both the precious metals markets are controlled, manipulated. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, because uh, clearly, uh, when the gold price is rising, as it has been for some time, it is a, it is a barometer. I, I believe I believe that it is a barometer of of uh, a loss of confidence in in the monetary in the financial monetary system. People well, op- look, Jay, we're we're neither one of us are kids. Um, mm-hmm. We have watched these financial markets, um, uh, and and let me focus down and say that the dollar, in particularly in particular, uh, uh, deteriorate to the point that this is a, um, uh, it's a travesty. The, the thesis of the book, Crisis by Design, is that the financial crisis was caused um, and that the purpose of the financial crisis uh, was to take down the United States and the United States dollar as kind of the stable point in international finance and to replace them with what uh, has been called a GMA, a Global Monetary Authority. I may be jumping ahead here, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, 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 by way of answering your, your question, um, you know, uh, what, what's happened on the international financial scene and the volatility and the amount of uh, overt um, control and manipulation, particularly over the last few years, you don't have to be I mean, you can see this. It's kind of written across the, the, you know, the pages of the, you know, the London Times or the Wall Street Journal or whatever. This is, uh, these are unique times. I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, part of this scenario is bringing the dollar down. Um, I wrote about this, uh, not not that, uh, certainly not that it was an original thought, but um, the the thesis here is that, this was an intended um, uh, agenda, a very mm-hmm. intended agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can see this stuff over the, I mean, after I read, wrote it, you can see, you know, the Russians and the Chinese and the Brazilians and the IMF all calling for a replacement of the dollar as the uh, reserve mm-hmm. currency of the world. And clearly the SDR is making the move now to replace the dollar. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And the SDR would then be a basket of various currencies to start with? Yeah, the SDR, for listeners that aren't familiar, the SDR is a um, another phantom currency, a mm-hmm. created currency by the International Monetary Fund that, you, as you said at the top of the show, that's an organization that grew out of the ashes of the Second World War. It was created at Brenton Woods. Um, it had uh, benign purposes to start with. It has become... Um, you know, an onerous uh, organization, which we could we could talk about, but mm-hmm. uh, the currency that they have is called the uh, is called special drawing rights (SDR) mm-hmm. uh, for short. And yes, it is made up of a basket of currencies. Currently, the uh, the yen, the pound, the dollar, and what's the fourth currency in there? Was there was gold a part of that? No, it was not. 
It was not. Interestingly, in the book, uh, you will see, or readers will see, and something I had no idea about until I was researching one of the chapters there, one of the articles that I was writing, uh, a declassified memo, Jay, from the CIA in 1969, Mm-hmm. Talking about the uh, potential run on the dollar, uh, which de Gaulle was uh, doing, as you may remember. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and uh, this is a secret CIA memo, uh, a mem- memorandum where they talk about creating the SDR in 1969. Mm-hmm. So this thing stayed dormant essentially for about 40 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, here it comes now, and it is on the world scene, and uh, this is what is being uh, pushed kind of gradiently, slowly, uh, but uh, this will be the world reserve currency. There's no question about it in my mind. Do you see the possibility of uh, various currency blocks first? Uh, For example, there have been um, speculations about, you have the euro now, if it holds together. Another idea was the Amero. The um, you know the the Canadian U.S. and Mexican currencies coming together, and then some Asian currency. Would you, you possibility of going in in that direction first before the, all three of those then are lumped into one? Well, I don't know that they will be lumped into one. Um, I'm less convinced that there will be an Amero as I am that there will be an Asian currency. I think there will be a, a yen, yuan, yuan kind of currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be an Amero, um, um, and I think those currencies will probably exist, w- whether there's an Amero or some kind of North American or South American, North American, uh, rather, North American currency. Uh, the SDR, you know, will be there. It doesn't mean that it'll be the only currency on the planet, but I think it'll be the reserve currency. Uh, I think the... Um, I recently wrote an article called Anatomy of a Con Job, which was an expose of the global warming uh, scam and, mm-hmm. and, and how uh, the international bankers have got their teeth into this thing like a pit bull. And, um, you know, these carbon credits are going to be traded. Um, and for the audience's information, if they're not familiar with carbon credits, these, are, these will be, these are, not will be, these are actually derivative-like products that are being traded um, and they're bought and sold by companies that need to reduce their carbon emissions. And, and that market is uh, uh, going to be a trillion-dollar market, just trading wow. carbon credits. The reason that I mention that or kind of spin off into that is, is that those will be traded by, uh, in euros as opposed to dollars, which is another effort to remove the dollar from the world stage. Um, and I think you will have the dollar or an Amero or some kind of North American currency, the euro and an Asian currency um, kind of supporting the SDR. But what the central banks will be holding will be SDRs, I believe. Okay, that's very interesting. Certainly, uh, I can remember the, the discussion. Honestly, I'm old enough to remember the discussion back in 69 when, uh, when they started talking about SDRs. Uh, but that's... Uh, uh, that that's very 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 interesting well i mean the main thing though is you know what we're interested in is what does all this mean for us and for our money uh before we get there though i'd like to go to a couple of quotes from your book on page 8 uh, you quote there's a quote there about the imf and the world bank you say um, in referring to those two books that you mentioned earlier you say this perspective was extremely helpful to me when i started following the activities of the world bank and the international monetary fund 
These are sister organizations that were set up at the end of the Second World War, essentially to help rebuild war-torn Europe with low-cost loans, World Bank, and to foster stability in the international currency markets. Despite their altruistic sounding charters, these two organizations have become nothing less than global financial predators who have turned three-fourths of the planet into debt-ridden junkies, end of quote. Now, I would like to just comment on that and then ask you a question. We had John Perkins on this show, John Perkins, the uh, author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and he talked about how his job as a hitman was to go to third-world countries to convince the dictators in those countries that they had to have some sort of infrastructure project that would be financed by the IMF or the World Bank. The idea was to get them in such debt that they had no choice but to sell their raw materials back to the U.S. John said that was the new model, the post-World War II model that uh, in, a, in a nuclear age, whereas uh, superpowers could no longer just go and beat the hell out of other countries and take their stuff, they had to do it clandestinely through, uh, through corporate entities. Uh, is this what you see going on and, but carried on uh, to a, on a larger scale now? Well, I, I think that's very definitely part of it. I, I, I read John Perkins' book. I'm a fan. Um, um, the aspect of those two organizations that I followed, which is similar to John Perkins, although he was kind of boots on the ground with mm-hmm. uh, corporate corruption and, and corporate ripoffs of third world countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I watched, Jay, over the last few decades is the IMF or the World Bank sending in someone uh, covertly, uh, George Soros, to, to, to throw some names around. Interesting. Who, who would short sell the country's currency? I think uh, the Indonesian crisis, the so-called Asian flu of a decade or so ago, yes, was the a late pilot 90s. for what happened here um, in 2008. Um, Soros would go in short sell, for instance, the Indonesian whatever it is, rupee or whatever they call that currency, mm-hmm. um, uh, crash the country's economy um, uh, to the point that there were riots in the street and so forth and so on, uh, massive social unrest. And then the IMF comes riding in on a white horse mm-hmm. uh, and says to the dictator, the president, the premier, whoever's in charge, gee, are you having a problem here? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, would 5 or $10 billion help? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if the answer is yes, they have not signed the loan agreement. If the answer is no, there are more riots. Uh, there's more confusion, more civil unrest. I've watched this now go on for decades. And finally, the, the person in charge signs. Now, what is interesting about this is to read these loan agreements. You were a former loan officer, as was I. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will stand the hair up on the back of your neck because it gives these international banking organizations uh, control over educational policy, agricultural policy, taxing policy. It is unbelievable the amount of social control that the loan agreements that the bank that the IMF uh, uh, enforces or has the the country sign, um, and it just basically puts them in control of the country to the degree they need and want to exercise it. Um, the 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 things that John Perkins writes about kind of run parallel to that, mm-hmm. uh, but it, this is a little different agenda. Mm-hmm. And I watched uh, Soros do this. Uh, I watched him do it, um, you know, for the World Bank. I was in Moscow uh, right after the fall of uh, the wall. I went in there to, to help open up some uh, business colleges, and um, I watched it happen in Russia. And I watched Yeltsin, uh, you know, resist 
you know, three or four times, and the the ruble crashed and it crashed and it crashed, and at, finally after three or four times, you know, he caved in and he signed. And um, so uh, this is this is how those organizations have gotten in control of the planet's um, lesser developed countries. And the move in 2007, 2008 was to take down the giant. That's us. Well, let me ask you this. Getting back to Russia, then, we have Putin and, and the new guy there. It seems as though Putin is, is supposed to be the, the controller or the guy that's the top dog there yes. still, perhaps. Are you saying that, that Putin then would, be, would have been bought and paid for by a larger cabal, a larger, this larger world, uh, you know, world banking interest then? Not Putin. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, he has, I believe, stayed clear of that. Although I say that, and without having dug into you know current Russian uh, mm-hmm. fiscal and economic policy, mm-hmm. but Yeltsin, yes, and and um, I mean, I found it fascinating that all of a sudden, you know, the, the you know these enemies, you know, the Cold War ends almost overnight. Um, and all of a sudden, here comes the, uh, in fact, our translator at the time, as he's driving us to the airport, um, uh, a guy who had been in the Russian military, and he was translating for us when we were there, he said, uh, you know, we said, what, you know, what are you going to do now? His name was Vadim, and he said, he said, oh, the, the, the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve Bank is coming in. He said, I'm going to be translating for them. <laughs> you know, this is, oh, sure. <laughs> this is right, right after uh, uh, the crash. So, um, it was Yeltsin that caved in to the world, uh, 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 you know, the international banking uh, uh, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Putin, um, less so. Uh, he's trying to, I mean, essentially these international bankers and these games that we're talking about have been a Western phenomenon, meaning mm-hmm. uh, they've been operating out of uh, England and New York, yes, uh, London and New York. And the people, uh, the Chinese uh, Ministry of Finance flew me over to, to China here, to Beijing, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They, a friend of mine in Taiwan got the book to somebody in Beijing, and I, to my shock, I got this invitation from the Chinese Ministry of Interesting. Finance. Interesting. And, and they flew me over there, and I, I met with senior people of the, the Ministry of Finance. Fascinating trip. Um, but but they, they haven't been sucked into this. So when you get Beijing and, and even Russia, there's an effort by the international bankers to bring them into this control matrix. Indeed. But, but I don't think they've been part of it earlier. So, I mean, here's the, here's the big question for you. And I you know, put this to John Perkins. I put it to our guest last week, uh, Dmitry Orloff, a fascinating guy, a, a scientist who has written a book uh, that talks about uh, the parallels between the, the U.S. financial crisis and the Russian financial crisis. And uh, the big question, and, and uh, Dmitry did not think that this could go very far, did not think that, that these superpowers that, uh, uh, that Perkins has talked about, these super multinational corporate interests, have the ability to control and ultimately bring us into a one-world Currency, but you, but you're suggesting that we can get into a one-year, cur- the one-world. You're, you're thinking that we are inevitably headed towards a one-world currency. Does that not mean then that Russia and China will have to cave into that somehow, into that same cabal of control? Yes, and yes. I, I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, this is happening as we speak, and uh, well, it might not be multinational corporations, and it's not actually not multinational corporations. Mm-hmm. 
um, you do have, and as the book goes through, um, last year, almost exactly at this time, April 2nd, 2009, after the crisis, after the crash, uh, after you have this fiscal chaos on the planet, uh, the G20 met, met at London um, uh, April 2nd, 2009, as I said, and they signed an agreement which established, Jay, an organization called the Financial Stability Board. Mm. Uh, this entity is housed in the Bank for International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the central banker's central bank. Mm-hmm. So we know certainly uh, with, re- with regards to the U.S. Federal Reserve, this is a private institution. Uh, it does not answer to the government. Uh, and I will tell you, um, without much PR, this entity was put in place and is now controlling the central banks of planet Earth. Um, it is beginning to issue edicts to the central banks. The central banks, uh, you know, again, are not beholden to the legislative uh, process or to the people's will. And uh, that's what occurred, and that was the purpose of the crisis. And the control, you control the central banks of the world, you control the money supply, you control the money supply, you control the, you know, you, you, you control the, the countries. You control everything. <coughs> and this... <coughs> Pardon me. And this has been put in place. This isn't theory. This isn't science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can research this. The press releases that came out were very muted. You have to dig. You have to research. Um, but the Bank for International Settlements, which was Hitler's bank during the Second World War, mm-hmm. which interestingly is almost like the Vatican, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have. Uh, they are not subject to uh, legislation by the Swiss government. Their employees are immune from prosecution. Uh, they have their own police force there. They are an entity that is completely above the law. Uh, the central bankers that are on the boards of directors, um, and we get to our, you know, our usual suspects that used to be Greenspan, and those guys now it's uh, Geithner and Bernanke, mm-hmm. um, uh, fly in uh, every two months. They have secret board meetings. Um, there used to be 11 board members. They've expanded the board a bit now. But all 55 central banks uh, in the world are members of the Bank for International Settlements. Hmm. Um, and the control of the planet's fiscal policy is now emanating from Basel, Switzerland. Wow. Who, uh, so who owns that, that entity? Uh, the central banks own it. The central banks are shareholders, all those 55 central banks. There were some, that's correct, there were some uh, private shareholders early on, some of these early money guys, I forget, they're probably Rockefeller, you know, the R people, mm-hmm. Rockefeller, mm-hmm. Rothschild kind mm-hmm. of folks. Mm-hmm. But uh, some years back, uh, there was a change in policy, and they sold their shares, and now uh, central banks are shareholders. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's correct. I remember that time, in fact. Uh, I believe that there was a lawsuit involving uh, one Reginald Howe and others uh, concerning uh, gold and I think it was the BIS. Anyway, uh, you mentioned control the central banks, control the money supply, you control the world, essentially. Yes. Yes. Okay, so this is why I think that gold is such an essential, uh, a- a- such an essential monetary metal and the reason I believe, in my in my thinking, and I know that the gold antitrust action people believe this as well, the reason that gold has to be suppressed, the reason it has to be put out of the hearts and minds of people, is that it it cannot be allowed to um, to replace paper money, which the powers that be have authority of. The, one of my main uh, jobs is to 
research and write about and help my subscribers to my newsletter understand gold mining companies. And I know how darn hard it is to find gold, not just to discover it, but then to get it, uh, gold out of the ground and, and into circulation, you know, in, into, the, into the markets. It's a very, very difficult process, like any mining project process is. So clearly, if, if the government's, you know, if that were money, if gold were money, as the markets have decided it is over, the, over centuries, then, it, then you take the power away from the politicians, possibly, potentially. Well, uh, I'll tell you I had some uh, – I, I, I would agree with that, number mm-hmm. one. Uh, to, to some degree, and let me tell you why I say some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, be, because, one, the price of gold can be manipulated, and two, uh, I don't think there is enough gold on the planet uh, to, to back currency. I think currency should be backed by production, actual products. Mm-hmm. It would eliminate inflation and deflation and, and uh, uh, would obviate the, uh, the control, the, manipu- the manipulation of the underlying asset. But... Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to Beijing, I, I found this very, very interesting. And I caution your readers to say there's nothing certain about what I'm saying here except to tell you what occurred. Sure. Uh, I, was, I was interviewed on CCTV, which is the government-controlled uh, uh, business, well, I was going to say the business channel. It's the government-controlled television station. I was interviewed on CCTV2, which is like you know, MSNBC or Fox Business News or something. In like Beijing. That. In Beijing. Uh-huh. Um, uh, um, I also met with the president of China Gold, which is the uh, 60% government-owned uh, gold mining company in China, as you probably know better than I. China's the number two gold producer on the planet. And, and just China Gold is buying up gold mines around the world mm-hmm. as we mm-hmm. speak. Um, and three, I met with some, some folks um, in the Chinese Ministry of Finance. And in each case, uh, the subject of gold backing of the RMB came up. Um, and I will, I will give you, this is an opinion mm-hmm. based on these meetings and conversations. The Chinese are seriously considering backing the RMB with gold. Mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as wild as that may sound, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's certainly something that they're considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps uh, just in the trade in the Southeast, uh, Southeast Asian um, economic market, mm-hmm. where there would be, uh, what you're talking about, we talked about a little bit earlier, a yen-yon currency, some kind sure. of uh, currency in that area. Uh, but this is under consideration. Whether or not they'll do it, I don't know. I think it would, when I back up and look at it, I go, how are they going to do that? The, the RMB would skyrocket. It would, it would harm their exports. So I, I don't know how they get away with it, but I'll tell you they are seriously considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they do it or not, I don't know. But look, I find it bizarre in the extreme mm-hmm. that the major communist country on this planet mm-hmm. has got $3 trillion in reserve, and the icon of free enterprise, which yeah. is this land in which we live, is $13 trillion in debt. Right. There's something well, to matter with that picture. Yeah, well, it may be that the picture we're given as being this being the free enterprise uh, icon is not correct. It could be uh, the other way around. I know Jimmy Rogers uh, likes to say that they're more capitalist over there than we are, and and in some ways, perhaps they are. I don't know. Well, there's 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 truth in that, and and uh, you were making some comments uh, towards the top of the show about the about what's going on with the country fiscally, and it's a it's a travesty. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. It, uh, it is outrageous. You know, there's so much more in this book that we could talk about. We're running out of time. I don't have that much more. I only have a couple more minutes. So I have to ask you, given what we're what you're talking about now, assuming that you're your vision 
of of the future is correct, and I and I tend to believe it is. Where where how can people protect themselves? Where can they put their money, or what can they do now to get ready for this? What could be a very very radical change in the way we're governed, and also um, you know how soon might this happen? How soon do people need to be aware? It's happening now, I, I guess. Well, I have two. I have two fast answers uh, for you. One relative to um, investments. I don't know that you and I are, are, are much different. I'm a strong advocate for my clients of precious metals. I emphasize silver uh, a little over gold. I think there's more bang for the buck in silver, but precious metals certainly. Uh, I encourage uh, my clients here to diversify out of dollars with some of their assets into some stronger currencies, including the RMB and the Norwegian Krone, both of which I think are strong currencies. Um, more broadly, uh, if you want to take re- responsibility, is that we need to get the countries of the world to have some oversight of these international bankers in Basel, Switzerland. There mm-hmm. needs to be um, a Republican, and I don't mean Republican in a partisan sense, mm-hmm. but Republican in the sense of, of how America is run, control over these international bankers. There needs to be checks and balances, Jay. Oh, yeah. Indeed, I would agree with you that. Uh, let me just ask you, tell our listeners one more time where they can go to learn uh, about your work and keep up with what you're doing. Uh, the site is BehindTheWizardsCurtain.com, BehindTheWizardsCurtain.com. Okay, folks, uh, thank you very much, John, uh, John uh, for being with us. I really appreciated your insights into what's going on in the world economy. Uh, folks, we're going to have to have John on back again sometime with us. Uh, don't go away now. We're going to be right back with uh, a, a fine a new company, uh, a gold mining exploration company called Ashburton Ventures. We'll be right back after the break. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Merex Gold with 800 square kilometers of contiguous permits. Merex and exploration partner IM Gold have spent $11 million on the advanced stage Surabaya Gold Project in Mali. 
Marex's indicated gold resource is based on 4% of the mineralized Surabaya megastructure. An aggressive 20,000 meters of drilling will begin to determine the true size of the Surabaya gold deposit. For more information about Marex Gold, visit us on the web at www.marexgold.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-X gold.com. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, one of the things I really enjoy about this program is talking to emerging mining companies, companies that uh, are either in production, we have a growing number of them that are, that we've had as long this uh, bull market now in gold and other precious metals that's gone on for a number of years. It's, it's meant that a lot of companies are evolving towards production. But it's not just producing companies. We're looking at companies that are exploration companies, companies that are developing, finding real wealth, real, real wealth in the ground. Uh, and part of uh, what we do here is I bring you uh, companies that are sponsors to this show. We just talked earlier with Western Pacific. They are a sponsor of the show and we also tell you about companies that are on my watch list. It's called jayswatchlist.com, J-A-Y-S watchlist.com. And you can learn to know about companies that I'm looking at, taking a, taking a look at for possible inclusion into my newsletter. It's a really exciting time uh, in what I have called the bull market of a lifetime for gold mining companies. And I say this because we see the real price of gold rising very dramatically, especially since the Lehman Brothers collapse uh, of September of '08. Uh, and because the real price of gold, what an ounce of gold will buy, is rising dramatically. And the same holds true for silver to a great extent. Because that's true, the margins of gold mining pro- properties and projects in many cases have, have risen very significantly over the last year or two. And, and that means that exploration companies now, there's money that goes down the food chain to companies that are looking to explore and develop gold projects. Well, I'm very happy to have with me today David uh, Hederly. Smith, and he is the uh, he, he's a consultant to a company that's on Jay's watch list, and that company is Ashburton um, 
Ashburton. I can't think of it. Can you help me out, uh, David? Uh, Ashburton's full name? I think we're Ventures with Ashburton. Ashburton Ventures. Uh, my apologies to all of you. Well, I may be wrong on that. Uh, you would think I'd at least know the name <laughs> of the company I'm going to introduce, right? But anyway, forgive me for that. It's Ashburton Ventures, and I just didn't have it written down here. Ashburton Ventures is trading on the Toronto Venture. ABR is the symbol, and a measly six and a half cents, I might say, at 32.7 million shares outstanding. That's a market cap that, that is as minuscule as it gets. And quite frankly, folks, I prefer looking at companies like that. You know, I mean, why wouldn't people look at companies? Start out, let's find what's inexpensive, okay, and then let's see if there's any value in those companies. Why would you wait until your your broker's calling you and trying to get you to buy something that he wants to get rid of? So I, I welcome David uh, to the show. Welcome, David, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times, and thanks for bailing me out and, and giving me the name of the company I'm interviewing. And I checked. I got it right. Okay. I bet you did. <laughs> well, anyway, um, welcome. You you are an advisor to Ashburton uh, Ventures. And you have a lot of uh, exploration history. You are an exploration geologist, I take it. Right, you are. I'm uh, an exploration geologist. I've been working in Alaska since the uh, early 1970s and and pretty much throughout the Intermountain West also in that time. I have a doctorate from the University of Utah. And was your doctorate work done in that area of the world? Uh, my doctorate work was actually done in Nevada and, uh-huh. uh, on a basin and range salt there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of exciting things that have happened during those days uh, and still are continuing to happen in Nevada, that's for sure. But um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Yukon River Gold property, which I guess is where is Ashburn Ventures' lead project probably up there. Could you tell us a little bit about their project? Would you consider that the flagship property for the company? Yeah, I think it is. The company's got a half a dozen properties, and including a very nice property in Nevada we probably ought to talk about, okay. and a couple of lithium plays. But uh, the river, we call it the River AU property. Is uh, it, It's a small group of 21 uh, Yukon quartz claims, Immediately north of the underworld ground in uh, in the White River district, and we picked it up last summer and ran soil lines on it, which is where we are right now, and picked up some uh, reasonably impressive soil anomalies in gold, and we're pretty excited about it. Planning on going back to do some trenching and probably some drilling later this summer. Okay, now that's really a hot area now, isn't it up there? And the, you mentioned the underworld project and. I mean, I think the Yukon has become one of the hottest new new areas in the uh, gold exploration area. Uh, yeah, play, right? it, it is. We were lucky. We're we're pretty good friends with the Full Metal Minerals Underworld people, and and they gave us a few pointers after we picked up this ground, and uh, you know that that led to a pretty efficient exploration program on our part. And, and as I say, we we it turned out very well. We have some some very strong gold anomalies. Um. Like what are you looking at? And surface, uh, you're talking soil surface anomalies, or has, has the property been drilled at all yet or not? No, not at all. We're, uh-huh. we're basically two years behind uh, where Underworld is right now. Mm-hmm. We have the soil data they had a couple of years ago, and we're, we're going to follow their model but try to get two years' work done this year. We have a, you're, you're dealing here in, a, in an unglaciated terrain where the anomalies are very, very subtle. Stream sediment geochemistry does you no good whatsoever or next to no good. Uh, you often don't see any rocks because you're dealing with tundra. In mm-hmm. our case, we are on a north slope, and we deal with permafrost a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you run a soil auger down as deep as you can, 
we had a, a crew from, actually a couple of crews from Aurora Geophysics and Whitehorse that did this work for us. And we picked up anomalies on, oh, I'm going to say about 10 consecutive lines spaced a meter apart, ranging into the 90s. Uh, I see one, one of the samples ran 150 parts per billion gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the Underworld used to have their data on their website. I don't know if they do, but in this terrain, if, if you get to 30 and 40 PPB, you start to pay attention. You, you Actually, you get to 40, you're probably digging a trench. As I say, we've got several 50s, uh, several in the 90s. I see one here at 150. I'm looking at the data myself right now. And this is in a uh, good trend, a good northerly trend across oh, a good kilometer of country. So you've established these uh, these anomalies by these uh, by these auger holes. Yeah, we did hand hand drilled auger holes. So they're about a meter deep. Uh, up to a meter deep, I should say. That's about as long as the auger is. You go down as deep as you can get mm-hmm. and bring it up, and and that's really the the effective way to do exploration in this in this area. And uh, and I think these results are as good as anyone has seen in the area. So now the next step then is to put the drill, put a diamond drill or something down well, deeper. Actually, we'll go in with a, a small trenching, mm-hmm. uh, a little trenching critter. Uh-huh. And this is something that sort of, uh, how can you tactfully say this? It walks around sort of like it's almost on its knuckles. It doesn't have any tracks on it, per se. It's a little backhoe okay. with legs on it. Uh-huh. And uh, you can get down, uh, oh, probably a couple of meters with it, upwards of a couple of meters anyhow. And we'll go down there and identify some veins, ideally, and then come in and, and poke some holes at them from the side. That is that is precisely what the underworld people did, and, and it's what they're still doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, their model seems to have worked really well for them, so we see no reason to to try anything new. Could you tell us, give our listeners who might not be familiar with the Underworld story, what have they found up there? How much gold do they have? They they have a 43-101 resource? I believe they do. You know, I haven't followed that closely. I think okay. they're well over a million ounces of 43-101. Surface. And I think the company right now is in the process of being purchased outright by Kinross Gold. And uh, this is right off of surface we're talking, huh? The discovery. Uh, well, the, the discovery's on surface, of course. Underworld yeah. has drilled down a few hundred meters. Okay. To get this, and and it, it's a vein swarm type idea. Okay. All right. Is it uh, is it expensive to get up there? That you can't drill all year round. You probably have to go up and work at certain periods of the time. Yeah, this is actually a reasonably remote spot of the Yukon. It's a, oh, it's better than an hour south of Dawson. It is right on the Yukon River, so that's nice for moving equipment in. Uh, you, know, you can barge things to you. But, uh, you know, for the way we're operating, we're using helicopters. There is a there is a fixed-wing airship to the south that's uh, not too far away that we can get at. So it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the absolute worst, but uh, it's it's pretty tough country to work in. Sure. Is there um, is the company cashed up? Has it got the money to um, – does it got the money now to – to do a, a drill, to do a program, the next exploration program on this property, or is it going to have to raise some capital? I, I think we're in the process of raising capital. Uh, we, we certainly aren't cashed up. Yeah. I should say they certainly aren't cashed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're anticipating great troubles with that. It's, it's not a great market right now, of course, we all know. But, but when you've got something to spend money on, it's, you know, it's easier to find the money. Um, indeed, and would expect to also um, your program isn't. It doesn't sound like an extremely expensive program, even though it may not be the easiest place to get to. 
No, it's not. I, I, I imagine we're looking at something on the order of four to 500,000 bucks this summer, and we should end up with a few drill holes out of that. Okay, I would like to ask you um, a little bit of, if you could just talk to the management's philosophy, what is the management's goal here as far as you understand it? I know you're, in a, you're a consultant and an advisor, but is this a company that's looking to, to be basically be an exploration company? Is it looking then to find joint venture partners to come in and spend the big bucks to, to uh, build a project, or, or what, what is their philosophy? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a little bit reluctant to speak for them, but I, sure. I have worked with uh, with this group for several years, and I don't think we envision ourselves as as being producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our goal is to go out and find a good property and add value to it. Uh, if it's good enough to be a producer, great. We'll find someone who can do that with it, and uh, you know we'll get carried for a little bit of the action, and then uh, you know as you go into production, we'll probably participate. Okay, you mentioned the Nevada property you thought ought to be mentioned. Would you like to just uh, speak momentarily? We've, we've got maybe a minute left. Um, okay, yeah. Aspirin also has a property called Deep Creek in Nevada that we picked up just in December this last winter. We've done some surface sampling, and we're in the process of compiling a lot of historical data back into the 1980s. And uh, it's starting to look like there's a little bit of, you know, there's a whole lot of smoke there. There's certainly a fair bit of gold around. I, I've done some work in that general area at a property called Big Springs several years ago. And, uh, you know, at Big Springs, we didn't turn up any any million-ounce ore bodies, but, you know, you'd find three or 400,000 ounces here and three or 400,000 ounces there. And, you know, pretty soon you got something that's worth something. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, Deep Creek looks like it might be that sort of a beast. There's mm-hmm. a uh, an old historic resource estimate of, 77,000 tons of maybe, I don't know, one or two grams in, in an area that actually looks a little bit conservative. The The property was held by several companies. They pretty much all had drilling problems, and so it's, kind of, it's going to be a job of going back through this old data, winnowing through it, and uh, using it as a as a guide for developing our own data. And, and I think we stand a good chance to do very well with that property. Well, that's that's excellent. All I could just say is that this is a stock that's selling at six and a half cents. Last time I looked, thirty-two point seven million shares outstanding. People may want to look at it. It's uh, it looks like it's got a real shot at uh, building some ounces in the ground from a couple of different properties. And uh, you know, as always, we want to remind investors that we're not recommending stocks on this sh- on this show, and that uh, you should always you know check uh, talk about these these issues with your own financial planner um, and and you know do your own due diligence because these are risky these are risky stocks folks I don't want people to, under, to understand otherwise but they also have the potential to be really big winners and you know the risk and the return go together there's no way of avoiding that and and when you have uh, companies that are that have good management teams that have solid people like David Hedley who's been around for a while lots of ex- Lots of experience, uh, David Hedley Smith. I should say your name properly. A name of the company and and your name properly would be good. Um, that that you got a real chance to make some real serious money. Um, and I, my philosophy always with my subscribers and on the show, and personally too, is to have a diverse portfolio of lots of different junior mining companies. Some of them are going to hit big. Some of them are not going to be successful. But overall, in a bull market like we're in now, I think you can do extremely well. Well, I want to thank you, David, for being with us, uh, for sharing your your understanding of this company and, and where it's going. I wish you all the best and hope we can talk to you sometime in the future. Uh, folks, are going to be right back in just a minute with Harry Fleming. He's the CEO 
uh, of uh, our AR, ACR Energy Technologies. We'll be right back. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. American Bonanza Gold's project, located in Arizona, is scheduled for production in 2010. American Bonanza Gold announced the positive results of its recent feasibility study at its 100% owned Copperstone Gold Mine. The mine is estimated to produce an average of 45,000 ounces of gold annually. At the current spot gold price, this will result in an IRR of 120%. Join the gold bull market. Invest in American Bonanza Gold. Visit the website at AmericanBonanza.com for more exciting information. Don't miss this great opportunity. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Have you been acquiring physical gold, silver, and coins? Are you receiving the best price and the best service you can? Why not work with the most recommended precious metals company in the country? Resource Consultants is recommended by over 20 newsletter writers, several websites, and countless stockbrokers and financial planners. Call them now and find out how they can help you. 800-494-4149. Or visit them on the web at www.buysilvernow.com. That's 800-494-4149. They'll be waiting for your call. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. 
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to be with Harry Fleming, uh, Harry Fleming, uh, CEO of Acro Energy. Um, it is a, a solar company, a company that uh, is involved in equipping homes, primarily in California, with solar energy. Of course, that is uh, all the rage these days. We uh, have uh, uh, a real green movement, people wanting to, uh, to harness the energy from the sun and other natural, um, other natural sources of energy. So it is a hot topic these days, and uh, Acro Energy actually is a company that I did slip into my newsletter back in, uh, basically, I think it was back in 2009, towards the end of the year. Um, we've done pretty well with it. It's up about 59% since then, so uh, it's something that our, our subscribers have done fairly well with. But we want to see where we're going from here. Um, Harry Fleming is the founder of Acro Energy Technologies Corp., which is headquartered in Houston, Texas. Uh, Fleming uh, recognized the opportunity to streamline and consolidate solar system and, uh, integrators Initially in the residential market in the United States, Acro Energy commenced trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange on February 24th um, of 2009, uh, and it trades under the symbol of ART. Uh, welcome, Harry, to uh, Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, thanks for having us, Jay. We're excited to be here. Well, thank you. And I, I know that we chatted some time ago. It's been a while now, and I'm uh, a little bit fuzzy on a couple of the couple of the details. I know that you, uh, your sales have been picking up. I, I think that your company did show an accounting loss for the year ending, uh, but I believe your accounting year end has changed. Uh, you're now fiscal, fiscal 30, uh, December 31st. Is that when your fiscal year ends? That's correct. All right. So you did show a bit of a loss last year. What were you in terms of um, cash flow? Were you cash flow positive at least last year? Uh, no, no. In the first year, we, we really, on unlimited funding of about $3 million, we mm-hmm. acquired three companies, Northern uh, California, kind of Bay Area, and then Southern California in the L.A. area. Mm-hmm. So we really just use, utilized our funds to acquire and then integrate these three companies. Okay. Uh, what sort of revenues uh, do you expect? I mean, you, you have some time under your belt so far this year. How have the sales been going recently? We, we, I mean, we hear about the, you know, the struggling homeowners and California being in such dire straits as a state. Um, you know, are people able to finance uh, these solar units now? Yeah, and, and if you look at it, these aren't tree huggers. Mm-hmm. Just like we're in this for a business, so is the homeowner. Mm-hmm. And they only, they only put these systems on if they make sense financially. Mm-hmm. And what really has turned the corner for most homeowners, the ones that don't have cash, we now have a partner that offers 100% financing. So we can literally walk into a house and say to the homeowner, tomorrow you can start saving between 50 and 20% on your electric bill. You don't have to put a dime down, and in 18 years you'll own the system. So if, if you think about that type of metric, it's really hard to walk out of that house without a sale. Why would someone not buy it? 
And really, it's, it's a breakdown of about 60% will take that deal, and they'll do the lease. And the other 40%, they have cash, and they want to get all the savings right away. Okay, so if, if somebody comes in and takes the, uh, you know, has the, the ability to finance it themselves, then they can get a lot bigger break on their energy bills. Yeah, and, and with the rebate, you can look at a four- to six-year payback on the system that's warranted for 25 years and certainly lasts a lot longer than that. If you put your own dough into it. Yeah, yeah. And so the system can last how long, you say, 15? Well, the, the, the warranty is 25 years on the panels, wow. and they certainly work longer than that. They're still working in space from the 60s on satellites right now. So uh, it, there's a slight degradation as you move throughout the years. Maybe it's running at 90% capacity instead of 100 today, but um, there's no moving parts, so there's really not a lot to break down. Well, is what you're doing now, are you, you guys actually go in and, and build these units in the houses? Right. We install them. We you design install and them. then install them. Okay. Isn't it a pretty, isn't it a pretty competitive uh, marketplace for what you do? Yeah, yeah. There, in California, which has probably 80% of the U.S. market, there's 750 installers. And during the months of December, January, February, we were about either number three, four, or five each month as far as sales of these systems. So we moved up that ladder very, very quickly. Okay, now you mentioned the financing partner. Um, I don't know if you care to tell us who that is. And, oh, sure. And, it, it's and, a company uh, called Sunrise. Does that, does that give you do, you, do you have some unique relationship with them that gives you an advantage over, those, uh, over the competition in California? It, it, it gives us an advantage over 745 of the players. Sunrun is a financial entity that owns the system, so they're an energy company. So they can do the 100% financing. Uh, however, because it's a, a financial entity, they need deal flow, so they only deal with the largest four or five players in the state. Mm-hmm. And so we're one of them, fortunately. And so um, nine out of ten jobs where we're bidding against other people, it's uh, either one or two or three other companies that can't offer financing. Mm. So it's, it's frankly not a, not a real fair playing field. Uh, but it's, it works well for you and your shareholders. Oh, we're happy that it's not fair. Yeah, it should, absolutely. It should, it should work well. Yes. Um, what is the market? What is the size of the market um, in California now for for what you're doing? In residential, it's uh, in, the, the numbers for '09 were slightly higher than '08, uh, despite the the meltdown. Uh, however, it was around 800 million is for the residential market, and they're forecasting it to be almost double in 2010. Eight hundred million, and then double by twenty ten. Right. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, there, there's so many different groups with different forecasts, but I think the consensus is generally those kind of numbers. And that's California. That's just California. The U.S. You, market will exceed a billion dollars easily in twenty ten. Which will? The U.S. market as US a whole. Market. Okay. Does this? Can you work these tech? Will this technology work in, let's say, a midwestern state like Ohio? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, there's a tremendous amount of activity in the Northeast, and you know they have long, hard winters up there. But mm-hmm. the reason is uh, these systems will work on cloudy days; they just don't work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in winter, you just got to wipe the snow off, just get a squeegee, wipe the snow off. But it, yeah, they work anywhere. Uh, they're more effective, obviously, in the sunshine states. But here's the difference. You can go to a state, uh, a city like Chicago, that might have 1,600 hours of sunlight, usable sunlight per year, mm-hmm. and then come down to Houston where we have 2,000 hours. And then parts of Arizona could be up to 2,200 hours. Mm-hmm. But you can see they're all in the same range, so they, it, it's viable everywhere. It's just, it comes down to the economics. 
So you might get a payback more quickly in California. That's, or, that's yeah. exactly that's exactly the answer. Uh, okay, so the financing, I'm trying to understand. So the, obviously, that uh, could you give our I don't know if you care to give this out or not, but is there what sort of a difference um, between the homeowners that that finance it themselves? Let's just say a typical electric. Sure. Um, typically, how much would they save as opposed to the person that needs financing? Well, if 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 your typical system is let's call it five k or five thousand watts, and we charge seven dollars a watt to install, so it's thirty five thousand dollars. Between your federal investment tax credit and your state rebate, you get half paid for. Mm-hmm. So the cash payer ultimately pays around fifteen to seventeen thousand for that system, mm-hmm. which, by the way, next year is going to be around ten to twelve. But you're at fifteen to seventeen, and so your payback on that can be in that four to six year range. Mm-hmm. And then the the people that don't put any money down, they just start getting the uh, the lower electricity bills, and also there, there's a the price is frozen for eighteen years, which makes a difference in California because they average. Six percent a year increases every year, year over year, on their electricity bills. Wow! Yeah. Well, that's that's. Uh, I know that there are some um, geothermal projects in Nevada that are looking to sell energy into California. It was a very small percentage. So, so California energy is is very expensive. So, let me ask you then: um, Do you do you have plans to go out of state? Yes. I mean, right now we're in the process of getting our contractor's license in Arizona. And the issue is, do we open organically or do we acquire a small company there? Mm-hmm. And then also, we're in negotiations with several companies on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of good markets. I think Arizona is number two to California. Then Colorado has a good market, and there's some good pockets in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York that are very interesting to us. Uh, California has, um, you know, well-publicized uh, fiscal problems, and they do provide some breaks for for this um, for these for these units, right? Right, but they, that doesn't affect us because the rebates are given by the utility companies, is not the state of California. What happens is the state says to the utility companies, you have to have X percent of renewables in your portfolio, so they can spend two billion dollars to build a big plant or farm, or they can offer rebates. And so that's why the, the, the woes with the California state economy, they just don't affect the rebate. It's still valid. Oh, that's interesting. That's very important to know. Yeah. Um, was, uh, so, so you're getting set up, getting ready to go to move into Arizona and other sun state, obviously. Correct. And your sun-run energy company will be able to provide financing. They're, they're a well. partner with us in Arizona also, yes. Oh, that's terrific. Where can, um, um, where can people find out more about your company what's your website uh, the, the website is acro acro energy.com acro energy.com and that actually has a, a slideshow under investor relations that gives our forecast for 2010 and 2011 oh okay well that's public information could you share that with us um, our pro forma for 2010 uh, shows that we'll go from eight eight to nine million last year to twenty four million, and and part of the reason for that is we bought these companies at different times of the year. Mm-hmm. For example, one we closed at the end of the year, so there's almost no revenues there. Um, and if you look at the first quarter, traditionally in the first quarter you'll do around fifteen percent of your annual sales. Mm-hmm. So based on what we're seeing here, um, the twenty four million pro forma is dead on. Oh. So, so we're, we're very that, excited that about that. Profits, um, bottom line profits. Uh, I think on 24 million, we expect to do between three and four million EBITDA. 
Okay. And uh, 2011, um, you know, and these are these are based on organic growth. Yes. Uh, when we have acquisitions, for example, one company we're talking to has 30 million in revenues. It, it, it completely changes the nature, but we've not built those in there. Okay. So, so what uh, about 2011 for you? 2011, we're 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 expecting that we can take the uh, organic growth from 24 million up to 35 to 40 million with kind of an $8 million EBITDA bottom line. How many shares outstanding in the company? There's 31 and a half out right now, 31 okay. and a half million. So folks could do the math and, and realize, uh, you know, 3 and $4 million into 31 and see what that amounts to on a oh, cash flow absolutely. Share. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our financials are, they're, they're due to be released from the first quarter on May the 15th. However, since our annuals are due on April 30th, we're going to get our first quarter out at the same time. So it'll be more reflective of what we're doing now, and we're actually going to issue a press release in a couple of weeks to give our. We'll have the revenue numbers, so we're going to give some guidance on that in a couple of weeks. Well, that's fascinating and uh, fantastic, Harry. Well, thank you very much for your for your insights and for your uh, sharing your your company story with our listeners. We are out of time. Uh, we'll have you back again sometime in the not too distant future, probably after you uh, come out with some num- more numbers and uh, financials and have you back to talk about your company's progress. Well, we appreciate it, Jay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming on. And don't go away, folks. We're going to be back for the wrap this week with my partner, Roger Wiegand, who will be with us to give us some ideas. Uh, Roger has uh, a market in particular that he's very, very interested in. He thinks uh, investors are going to make a lot of money if they, uh, if they get it right. So we're going to be right back with Roger in just one minute. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. American Bonanza Gold's project, located in Arizona, is scheduled for production in 2010. American Bonanza Gold announced the positive results of its recent feasibility study at its 100% owned Copperstone Gold Mine. The mine is estimated to produce an average of 45,000 ounces of gold annually. At the current spot gold price, this will result in an IRR of 120%. Join the gold bull market. Invest in American Bonanza Gold. Visit the website at AmericanBonanza.com for more exciting information. Don't miss this great opportunity. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. 
He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, we only got about five minutes left here. Uh, I've got Roger Wiegand. Roger's not been with us for a while, so it's really good to have him back. I, I mentioned in the beginning segment of today's show that I'm still very nervous about the equity markets. And then, but I've started second-guessing myself. And, you know, almost whenever I second-guess myself, it's a sign that I'm about to head the wrong way. So I'm saying I've been bearish on the market. It just keeps going up and up and up. It's up now. Today, the Dow is up another 102 points. And I'm starting to say, Taylor, I think you're all wet. I really think you had it wrong. Your whole view of a secular bear market is looking kind of shaky now. So, Roger, what do you think? Well, I think you've got the right idea, Jay, but I just think that uh, you're a little bit early. And I was really on the same sheet of music for quite a while, too. We've all been waiting for this thing to get going from the standpoint of some kind of a purchase, uh, an upswing in, in shares, not only in gold and silver, but in the S&Ps and the Dow and the rest of it. And <clears throat> I was talking to a fellow earlier today, and I, said, I told him, I said, what I, th- I noticed was when the Lehman event happened and everything messed, got messed up in the marketplace, the cycles were thrown off anywhere from one month to two months, and I don't think they have corrected since then. So the sell in May event that we usually see every year now is looking like sell in June. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so we might I, have I some good right times left here before really. the next shoe drops. Well, I, I think that at this point today uh, we saw things base out. We saw the Dow come up. Uh, gold and silver firmed, our shares firmed up. Uh, the dollar was up because the euro was down. But I think we've got two weeks of buying generally ahead of us in shares. I think it should last at least until the five, April 5 to April 9. That's the point at which I was previously thinking it would turn down for good. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I'm thinking that's only going to be a pause and that we will see probably another four to six weeks of buying after the April 9th. So it looks to me like we've got two good cycles left uh, before we have to uh, think about what we're going to do to protect our gains, which I see coming in the next two months. Okay, Roger, let me, I have to ask you this. We only got a couple of minutes left here, but you put out a, an alert to your, to your readers, to your subscribers, to your paid subscribers, alerting them to what you thought was a, you know, perhaps one of the best trades 
coming our way in a long, long time. And it was a specific, uh, a, a specific vehicle to short the financials. Are you maybe a little early on that now? Well, we are early on it because the price on that particular stock is probably on the bottom. We can't see how it can go much lower. Yeah, it's, it's come easy, down yeah. about 95 or 96% from where it was. Yeah. Consequently, we're encouraging people to take a position today because this thing is highly leveraged and it will move so fast that, you know, you could have your back turned or be on a business trip or whatever and you could miss the first segment. Yeah. So we encourage people uh, to get into those short trades. We're going to have more of them coming, but in reality we're not looking for anything to fall down and go short here until probably the middle of May through the middle of July, and we've got a lot of friends that we're, we're, we're speaking at the Phoenix Conference with uh, coming up this week who feel the same way like Arch Crawford, uh, Ian McCavity, and some others. Okay, so, Roger. Uh, that's going to be great. Now, I think people really need to, to think about subscribing to Roger's letter to find out, to keep up to date with what his thinking is on this. I know it's something I'm watching. I'm reading Roger's letter on a regular basis to try to make sure that I'm on the right side of this short trade, the short financial trade that Roger's talking about. So, folks, um, you know, stay with us and, and consider taking out a trial subscription to Roger's letter. You can get that for $49 for one month. Chen Lin for $39 for one month. My, my letter for three uh, months you can get for $59. Call Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, or go to miningstocks.com. Next week, our special guests will be Ian McAvity, Dave Morgan, and Pat Gorman. We're going to do a pre-record from, pre- from Phoenix on Friday that will air next Tuesday. Roger and Chen Lin will also be with us live, uh, presumably during that time. In closing, I want to thank the staff at Voice America, starting with my senior executive producer, Tacey Trump, Ruben Colombe, my operations manager, Justin Jackman, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. And again, thanks to each of you for listening to this show and making it a growing popularity, uh, a popular show as well. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time is in-